Good morning, good evening. Welcome to the webinar number 21. It's the it's gonna be about conflict management, management of conflicts and software teams. I hope you can hear me. Good morning, good evening. Yeah, the microphone works, I hope. So the problem we're gonna discuss is how do we manage conflicts in a software team? And first of all, let's define what the conflict is. So the conflict is something that happens between two people, as far as I understand, between two people in a software team when you want something and I want something else. That's how the conflict starts. Let's say we're both developers and uh, you want to put this uh, this version to production, and I think that the bug has to be has to be fixed first before the the code can go to production. So that's the conflict between us. Where we go from there depends on the situation, and that's what we're going to discuss. Depends on the team. Depends on how we manage conflicts in our teams. But this is what the conflict is: when you want something and I want something else. And I believe this is what I want to define first of all, is I want to remove the negative part, the negative uh, meaning or feeling from this word. I think that the conflict, the existence of conflict, of conflicts in any team is actually a good thing for the team. So if we have them, it means that people in the team, the programmers and everybody, they are ready to expose their interests, they are ready to expose their positions, they are ready to, they are, they are ready to talk, they are ready to say what they have to say. Like, you wanted this code to go to production, I didn't want that, but you were, uh, you were ready to stand up and say that you don't agree with me. This is really good for a team. It means that the information, that information flows right and, the, 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 um, and people are not afraid to say what they what they have to say. So the, it's easy, when the conflicts exist and we see them, if we see that how people argue and how people uh, uh, confront their opinions, it means that it helps us to discover problems in the team, to discover situations which we would not be able to discover otherwise. So it's good to have conflicts in the first place. Also, it's it's important to say that. Uh, when, when when people openly discuss that, when 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 in the team you're uh, you're ready to you're ready to to bring up the problem and to uh, to oppose somebody with your opinion, it, it really improves the motivation in the team as well. The motivation goes up because because people understand that everybody understands that uh, the team is interested to know what everybody thinks. So that's that's my point. That's my first like important point. And now we will discuss how do we how do we make these conflicts productive instead of destructive, constructive instead of destructive. Uh, the main thing, the main problem, as I understand, is that a con there could be conflicts between interests and conflicts between positions. So when you want to deploy that code to production, and I want to, and I and I don't want that. These are these are our positions. So you're saying. I don't want it, and I'm saying I want it. It's just a position which is which doesn't tell you or doesn't tell me why it's happening. So I don't understand what exactly is the reason behind your decision, and you don't know my reasons. And this is how, and this is what makes it so difficult in most situations to resolve a conflict because people are uh, uh, they are protecting themselves, they're protecting their information, their reasons, their causes their original uh, motivation behind that decision. They are protecting that by positions. So 
So in most cases, you will hear people saying that this is this is how it should be done. I, I think this is the right way. I'm, a, I'm an experienced programmer. I'm a senior programmer. This is the way it has to be done. This is just a position which makes, which makes it so difficult uh, uh, to fight against that. I mean, to resolve that, that conflict. If you got the position, I got the position, we're just standing and, and, and waiting who's going to... Who's gonna who's gonna become to cry first, and who's gonna say like, yeah, whatever, just let's do it your way. I'm not ready to fight. So fight between positions is always destructive. The right way is to discover. I wrote about this on the article. I just don't want to say exactly the same which I wrote on the blog post. I wanna I wanna explain way more. So I'm just I'm just uh, uh, summarizing the the story behind this position or interest. So in order to resolve the conflict, it's just it's just classic, like everybody knows that. So in order to resolve the conflict, we need to start asking the question why. So we need to get deeper and, 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 and we need to dig deeper and understand what the interests are, what the reasons are, and they're called interests. So why do you really want to put this code to production? So I want to fix the bug first and then deploy it to production. You want to deploy it now. There must be some reason behind that. So probably you have something in mind. Probably you know something which I don't know. Maybe you have some, I don't know, there's some story behind that. So in order to find out why, I need to, in order to find out what is your interest, I need to ask you why. And there's like, there's a famous method called five whys where people say that in order to understand what's going on, you have to ask why at least five times. So let's say, I'm asking you, why do you want to deploy it now, even though you know there is a bug? And you may say, uh, because the customer is waiting. And then my next question is, why the customer is waiting? And you will say, uh, because there is a transaction pending. I will say, the why transaction is pending. And you will say, because the bug is not fixed. And then I will probably say why the bug is not fixed. And you will say, because we, I don't know, we didn't have the tests before and that's why the bug was introduced, something like that. So going deeper and deeper, I will understand what the reason is. And then it will be way easier for me uh, uh, to align your interests with my interests. And then we'll be able to find, to find the solutions. So you will be asking me the same questions, why, why, why? And then we will go deeper and deeper down to our real interests. And then the solution will be, will be easily found and in that case we'll get to uh, so-called the win-win solution but the easiest way which most people do is called the consensus not the this is one of the way to resolve conflicts it's called consensus which is also called lose-lose so in this case we're not go deeper into interest we don't know we don't need to understand the interest we're just trying to calm everybody down so we just don't want, I don't want to know your interests. You don't want to know my interests. We just look at the positions and then in order to get rid of the conflict, we're just saying, okay, whatever, let's, I don't know, let's do something right now just to forget about this problem, just to remove the problem from the table. And that could be, I don't know, let's, okay, let's deploy now and next time we will not deploy, whatever. Let's, for example, this time it's, it's, it's yours, the next time uh, it's mine. Something like that. So we just try and we just we, we will just do something just to stop the fight, just to stop the argument between us. And it happens a lot in software teams, and, and we'll discuss now why. But this is the worst, the worst approach to conflict resolution. It's the consensus, is is the is the approach which many, many teams uh, uh, promote and many, many 
trainer, many, many coaches and many, you know, agile uh, uh, coaches who promote this team management and everything. They say that it's not so, it's not good to have conflicts and it's not good to have people who are, you know, really sometimes aggressive in the team and they provoke conflicts. So it's better to work with people who are kind of quiet and friendly and don't, you know, don't initiate conflicts. This is completely, in my opinion, it's a completely wrong approach because that kind of environment, that kind of attitude, that kind of atmosphere will only lead you to the team, to the situation where the team is, you know, doesn't have any senior people, doesn't have any senior decisions, doesn't have any serious achievements. It's not going to have, probably, it's not going to have uh, big problems, maybe, but it will just degrade. That's what I think. So the team will become less and less productive. It will become most probably, it will not have, like I said, it's not going to be too many senior developers because it's just going to be boring for them and not interesting because uh, you cannot learn a lot if there are no conflicts. You cannot uh, uh, develop, you cannot uh, improve yourself if there are no conflicts against you. If whatever you offer, they, you know, they, they kind of always try to adopt and always try to, you know, to calm you down instead of oppose you with something different. So you're not going to learn anything. You're not going to um, improve your skills. It will be just the situation where the team will degrade and degrade. So I think that the more consensus you have, the more lose-lose uh, conflict resolutions approaches you apply, the worse it's going to be for the team. Uh, the the win-lose it's a bit a little bit better so lose-lose means that uh you not get what you want and i not get what you want that's why it's called lose-lose so we will find something in between so it's not going to be good for you it's not going to be good for me it's going to be it's going to be nothing for both of us so the, the fight will stop obviously because i will not be able to complain because you didn't get what you want and i didn't get what you want so we're kind of even in this situation but i mean it's not good for the project as well so it's not good for anybody what it's good for and who it's good for is for the management, for the HR people, for you know office management, whatever, for people who care about you know the quiet office environment, but not for the project, not for the code, not for you, not for me. The win-lose, it's the next step. Win-lose. So one of us will win. For example, I will say, you know what, I'm I'm a senior developer, you're junior junior developer. So we just deployed right now, whatever. So I'm not paying attention to your interests. I'm not asking you why. I'm, I don't care. I just say, do it my way. It's a little bit better than lose-lose because, you know, in some cases I will be right. So in some cases you will be wrong and I will be right. So in that cases, if I, if I hit that, if, if it's going to be, you know, if the right, if the, if the, if I will be right and the truth will be on my side, then the outcome for the project will be positive because you were wrong. But sometimes I will be just wrong and you, you would be right. And in that case, the project will lose. But it's, but it's better than the previous situation because in this case, at least sometimes we will get somewhere, we'll, we will move forward. And if I'm, for example, the architect and you're the developer, then I'm supposed to be smarter, I'm supposed to be more experienced. And in this case, you will learn something because I will always try to push you somewhere. So you will come to me and, and propose some ideas and ask for some changes. And I will always give you my story, I will always uh, push you the way, push you the direction I want to go. For example, you will come to me and say, uh, I want to denormalize the database. 
because of this and this and that. Yeah, I have read some articles and this is so important. I want to denormalize these three tables and put them into one table. And I will say like, no, the normalization of the database is so important. So forget your story. We're going to keep three tables. Even if let's introduce another one, the number four. You will be... I mean, you'll be surprised, most probably, but you will learn something. You will ask me why. You will you will get some information from me. So it's going to be some education for you. If you if you really disagree with my decision from like every time, then you will just leave the project. But if you stay, you're going to grow, and and the project will move somewhere. If I'm a bad architect, they will replace me eventually. But as long as I stay with the project, it will be it will be going somewhere in some direction. Because if the if, if it's going to be lose lose. It's going no direction. It's just staying in the same place because you know every time you come to me and say I want to denormalize, I would say you know what, it's better to keep them separate. It's gonna, it's it's better to to to, to keep it normalized. And then you say no, I want to denormalize. Now be well, okay, let's denormalize two tables and let's keep four, you know, separately. So let's some find some 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 consensus, some compromise. It's not going to be good for anything because you know there's no strategy. It's just a temporary decision just to to calm down you and calm down me. And the best, the best strategy, so we have lose-lose, we have win-lose, and the best one is win-win. So both of us, of us wins. And in order to achieve that, like I said before, we have to understand what the interests are. So we need to discuss, we need to discover your interests, we need to uh, open up the problem, we need to talk, and, and that will that will lead somewhere because in this case you will explain to me why do you want to uh, to denormalize? Why do you want to join these three tables together? And I will be uh, asking you more and more and more you know, to really understand your reasons. And then I will give you my reasons. And then we will find the technical answer, which one is, is the right decision. But it doesn't happen. In most teams, look in your team. I don't know what's, what's going on there in your team, in your case, but I've seen many cases when it's not happening, and why it's not happening, why people don't talk, why they, they, they don't really, you know, go that way, why they don't ask, ask each other what, what the interests are. I believe that the problem is that the management is afraid to do that, is afraid to allow them to do that. Because the management, the project manager or this, you know, department manager or the CTO or whatever, people who are above us, technical people, they just afraid to see us exposing problems and making problems open because that's my that, that that's what i believe in if if the team doesn't have the clear rules of work the clear structure of how problems are supposed to be solved technical management whatever then then it's really uh if, if there are no rules which say how the problems how the, the problems will be solved, then these rules will eventually be established, and they will be quite rather ugly. So, what I mean is that uh, it's better to keep everybody calm and quiet and under these compromises and consensus, you know, conflict resolution uh, approach and strategy, instead of let these people talk and then be really surprised by what they say. And then, like having no idea what to do next, because let's say I ask you why do you want to denormalize, and you're saying because uh, because this is better for the for the speed. And then I ask you why do you 
why it's why it's important for the you know to 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 make it faster and you will say like you know i'm really ashamed to work in the project which is so slow on the web you know i don't really feel motivated to to, to stay in this team to stay in this company if the product is so slow and and everybody every single friend i have they just keep telling me that the project you're working is so slow it's just a shame so i don't like it so we need to do something about it so i'm not just i don't just want to denormalize for fun but it's a real problem for me i don't want to you know to be part of something which is so slow i mean in, in production so for the management it's going to be you know it's going to be a can of worms just open in front of them so what to do next with this information somebody is really unhappy to work in the project because of some technical aspect so the, the team the, the management will not know what to do with that and um, because in most teams in most management in most situations where the, we have some management uh, these rules of how we resolve management organizational technical and other questions are not defined so in most cases the management is just uh somebody who is uh taking care of the office and and, and opens the door locks the door um you know distributes the paychecks and checks that the conditioner air conditioner works fine and not somebody who is actually thinking about how these people sitting in this office are supposed to resolve their questions resolve their 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 problems technical organizational and management so they don't have that rules and without the rules what usually what usually happens is that the most uh aggressive and the most uh, loud and the most you can call it violent whatever just people who are the most the strongest people without the properly structured rules they just win it just naturally happens in any group of people. You put the group of people together in the room, like five, 10 people, and let them stay there without defining, without telling them what to do, without saying who is the boss, who is the who is in charge. You will see what happens in an hour or two hours. They will naturally, it will just happen that some of them will become leaders and some of them will become followers. Some of them will, will stay in charge. They will, they will tell other people what to do, while others will be just, doing what these people are saying especially if you do them if you give them some some job if you give them some task and tell them do something like i don't know build a build a small house out of this out of these small pieces then in a few hours you will see how the group naturally will obtain leaders and followers the same happens in the software team the same happens in any project and usually uh these the most active and the most uh um aggressive people are not the smartest people so they are not the ones who know the database better they're not the ones who understand uh, i don't know my performance they're just able to uh to convey to deliver their ideas in the, in the most aggressive way and that's why everybody else just start listening to them so the absence of clear rules which management usually don't define uh, allows the team and everybody who is in the team create their own rules which are not in favor of people who are interested to be heard and interested to grow professionally and interested to actually change things in the right way in a positive way so usually these rules created naturally are against that people and that people will eventually leave and that's why conflicts are not 
uh, are not really uh, in favor of uh, of the management. Are not really are not really in, the management is not really interested to see any conflicts because the management don't want that naturally created uh, hierarchy in the team to break. So the management doesn't know, like, let me reiterate, the management doesn't know how to define the rules right. Because, because in most cases, the management is just plain stupid. It's just, it just you know, uh, it's just a fact. So in most cases, management is not uh, professional managers who, know, who understands the difference between, I don't know, scope management and cost management. They're just people who, uh, who are, you know, capable of, of, of being in the office on time and, and, and leaving the office on time and, and, and capable of talking to like 20 different weird programmers who like, you know, who are really not really the most uh, social people in the company. So this management is not really a professional management. It's just people who help other people to organize us programmers. And that's why they don't know how to define rules. So the rules just keep, uh, they, just, they just naturally happen. And that's why, because they are so ugly and they're so not really uh, in favor of, uh, of, of the best people in the team, that's why having conflicts and resolving conflicts in any other way except consensus and except compromise is so difficult and so unpleasant for the management that the management is trying to avoid that. So if you join the team, I'm sure you know that in your, in your companies, in your teams, if you join the team and if you try to, uh, to speak up and, and raise your voice, I mean, not raise your voice, but raise your concern and express your, your concern about the situation, technical situation, like why this code is not covered with unit tests, or why do we deploy manually for, for the last year, or why do we, uh, don't we use, I don't know, for example, uh, a Docker for, for so long, even though we, we need these containers and we don't have any containers, so why, why is happening? Or why do we have this, I don't know, singletons everywhere even though we're thinking that we are developing object-oriented you know code then you will you will see that 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 question will be they will try to uh to calm you down first of all they will not be really uh happy about you raising any concerns because they don't know how to resolve that conflict if this conflict will go to the win-win direction because win-win means opening up the problem expressing their in, the, the real interests of the people. So your real interest when you stand up and say, why, do we, uh, why don't we cover our test with the unit tests? Why don't we have unit tests here? And your real interest is not to have unit tests. Your real interest is to work in the, in the team which writes unit tests because you want to grow. You want to you use unit tests. You feel that this is the practice which uh, improves your coding skills. So you want it. You don't want to be in the team with no unit test. You just feel uh, embarrassed by that situation. You would rather leave and find another company. So if they keep, if you, if they will keep asking you why do you want unit tests, they will eventually find out that they have to fire you, or I mean, you have to leave. Nobody wants to find that out because they don't have the rule for that situation. They don't know what should happen when somebody says, hey, I want to leave right now. I don't like your project. So, so what do you do in this case? Like, do we need to, can we actually let everybody about that? Can we make it public? Can, can we like make this information open to everybody else? 
that this developer who just came here, just a, like senior developer, we just hired that guy. We paid a lot of money for the recruiter to, to hire that person. And then that person comes in and, and says like, hey, I can't work in that situation because you guys are, you know, I can't work like that if you don't have this, this and that. And then the guy leaves. So what do we do in this case? Do we inform everybody about that? It's really dangerous and toxic situation. So nobody wants that because there are no rules to resolve that. I mean, what to do in this case? They don't know. They are managers, but they're not really managers. Because the real manager, I'm getting to my point, is that a real manager is responsible for defining that rules, for writing them down in the paper, and the rules which will explain to everybody what will happen and how, how will happen and what will happen when somebody is not happy with this. And when this technical question arrives, and then what's the time? I mean, what's the timeline for resolving that? Who is responsible for resolving that? Who is making what decisions? How these decisions are made? Aside from this democratic decision making, which is which is a terrible mistake, I'm, I'm sure you understand. So in any technical situation, making a democratic decision by voting, it's a terrible mistake. So, but but it happens. In most cases, it happens when people don't know what to do. They don't. They don't have this, the, the hierarchy of decision making. They don't know who is the who is the decision making leader. They don't have that person on the team usually. Even though I'm trying to uh, to promote this idea of a software architect, I'm talking about that for like two years at least. Many many teams which I see, they don't have that. They think that the position of a software architect is kind of an embarrassment to everybody. Like, how could that be that one person is called the architect and one person makes decisions? It's wrong. We all make decisions here. We're like a group of people. We're like a family. We're like, a, you know, we just, uh, uh, we're all friends here. We're just five developers. We're all senior developers. If the decision has to be made, then we make it together. We just sit down together. We talk, we discuss, we find the right way to do it. And then we make the decision. This is completely wrong. Because it's, you know, it's not possible. We, we shouldn't make technical decisions like that. It's, it's like making the decision for, for a plane who's flying and then the pilot is trying to get the collective votes, asking people around him, what do we do, guys? Do we, do, we hit the, do we click that button or we click this button? It shouldn't happen. The pilot makes the decision. The pilot collects all the opinions, obviously, before making the decision. But then the final decision is made by the pilot. In most teams, it's not happening. In most teams believe in democracy. And democracy means chaos. That's the only thing which is called mean in software team. It just means chaos. And chaos is always in favor of the worst people. Because the people who don't, don't know the subject deeply enough, they don't understand, like they're not the smartest in the team. So it's really good for them that the decision is made by democracy. So if you are the strongest in the team, if you are the, I mean, not the smartest, but if, if your knowledge in some aspect, is not, in some subject is the strongest, then you will not want the democracy. You will want your voice to be heard first. And you want to be, you know, you want to have the final say. For example, I joined the team and let's say I'm an expert in databases. And you five guys are working here and you're good Java developers, but you're not database experts. So I don't want the democracy here. I'm joining you to help you with the database decisions. And I want the clearly defined rule somewhere that all questions related to the database, they can be discussed, they can be voted, who cares, but the final say is mine. So I don't care what you think. I don't care what you, I mean, what you, uh, what do you, 
what's your opinion about that? Even though, well, I can collect that opinion, but my final say will be mine. So it's going to be my decision about the database. Your decisions will be about something else. It has to be written somewhere. That's my point. So the management has to write that structure of decision, this decision-making procedure, uh, decision-making um, protocol. It has to be written somewhere. If it's not written anywhere, then I'm a database expert and you're the Java developer and you come to me and say, hey, I want this database to be designed that way. And I'm like, I'm really surprised. And I'm saying, you know what? This, this company just hired me to be the database expert here. So I have a different opinion. So what happens next? If we go to, to, the, to the compromise, if we go to this lose-lose tactic, then somehow we will find somewhere in between so that it pleases you and pleases me, not pleases, but kind of something in between, which is not good for me, not good for you, but the conflict will go away just to calm you down and calm me down. But if we go, this is what most people do, but if we go to win-win direction, and in this case, you will tell me why you think the database should be designed that way. And most probably, it will be a lot of, a lot of focus on your ego because you will say, I'm working here for five years and I know how this database is designed. So I don't really like the situation. This some expert just came a, a week ago and now telling us what to do with the database. That's going to be the real interest. So you will be personally, personally uh, hurt by that. That's your interest. And my interest will be quite the opposite. I will be telling you that, you know, uh, I, I care about the performance and I know that this situation has to be, I mean, the database has to be redesigned this and that way. There's going to be a conflict of interest. But to, to, to expose that, we need to, to know the structure of who's going to have the final say. And in most teams, it's not like that. In most, most companies will not define who is, the, who, is who. And that leads, um, I'm finishing, and that leads to politics. You, you know what it is, right? This, this, this word politics. When you join the team and everybody tells you that uh, you can't touch this subject, you can't touch this subject because it's politics, that this, this idea is protected by this group of people and that technical decision is protected by this group of people. So you can't argue about using this uh, uh, Angular GS, for example, because uh, the, the, the CTO is, you know, likes that. So the CTO thinks that the Angular GS is a good idea, so we don't touch that decision. This is called politics. So some decision which is which is this is completely irre technically irrelevant reasons for for certain technical decisions. And there are many of them like that. Again, this happens because we don't have clearly defined rules and we are not ready. We are not ready. We're not we're not welcoming conflicts in, in the team because we cannot just, you know, raise this question and say like, yeah, I, I understand that the CTO likes the Angular GS, but, but is he really technical? Does he really understand what Angular JS is? Did he write any line of code in Angular for, for the Angular JS ever? This guy who is like in, in a suit somewhere sitting there, like, you know, working with Excel and, and Microsoft Office. Does he really know what AngularJS is? He probably heard about this name in some, in some expo, in some trade show, you know, and that's why he brought this name in here. And now we're, we have to use that. So if you start talking like that, most probably you'll be just fired. Most probably. 
So that that that's what I'm against. So we 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 need to provoke people. We need to provoke conflicts. We need to welcome them. But in order to be ready for them, we need to first of all we need to build the protocol for resolving them. We need to build the rules for for um, for getting out of them. So when the conflict starts, we just enter the situation. We enter the the, the problematic zone, and then we need to. To know how we're going to get out of that in order to get out of that we need to know exactly who the roles are and who the what the roles are and who's doing what so i'm finishing so in order to do that i believe we need three things three things in any team so first of all we need to have the architect it has to be one person like i said before many times there's to be one person who is making all who is who is not making all decisions but who is who has the right to make any technical decision and overwrite, overrule whatever was made by anybody else. So it has to be always the leader, the technical leader in any team. The second thing is that we need to clearly define awards and punishment structure. So everybody has to know what's going to happen if, if, if it's going to be a success and what's going to happen if it's going to be a failure. So we can't just throw ideas out because, because for just that, just for fun. So everybody needs to know what's going to happen. Like I said, in any particular situation, if the failure is there, then it's going to be has to be some punishment. It can be just you know, like in most cases, all the teams saying like it's it's our failure. The success is ours. The failure is ours. It's wrong. It has to be the clear, defined uh, mechanism of transferring the, the the big success to individual successes the big failure to individual failures. So what happens when our customer, when we, what happens when we deploy uh, the broken code to production and then the company loses a thousand transactions from customers? So the company loses $10,000. How much do you lose? The person who wrote the code, which was not covered by the unit test, how many dollars or euros or whatever, how much money do you lose? In most cases, the answer is like, what? It's not even nothing. It's going to be, what? What do you mean I lose money? I don't lose any money here. I'm just working here. I'm a programmer. I'm getting my salary by the end of the month. And that's the, the, the root cause of the trouble as well. Because there is no personal responsibility. There is no attachment. There is no direct connection between the big failure for the company and the individual failure for the programmer. Usually, not usually, but in 100% of cases I've seen before, is that the programmer works and the only, there is only one punishment for this person is the fireman that means the discharge so the, the you work and work and work and everything is good everything is right and then suddenly boom your contract is not extended or you just fired the next month and they give you some false reason like you know what blah 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 they tell you something but there's only zero or a hundred either you with us or boom the next day you're you're out this is wrong. You cannot motivate. You cannot. Uh, this is not. There is no direct connection between the failure of a company and the failure of this person because the person doesn't know why, what exactly was done wrong in most cases. So it's wrong. So it has to be clear definition of award and the same story for the awards. When something goes right or something goes well for the company, we, we win a lot of customers or some good idea was actually you know profitable. Then do we? How much money do I get like a developer? How many dollars or euros on my bank account? A hundred, a fifty, a thousand, nothing. In most cases, nothing. Maybe I will get some promotion by the end of the year. But that's it. 
again, it seriously demotivates and doesn't help people to, to understand what's the point of, of raising conflict, constructive conflict. What's the point of resolving them? What's the point of fighting against somebody in the office for the good cause, for the good reason, if there is no result for me personally? So why do I want to care about deploying this broken code to production or not deploying this code to production? I will not, figure, I will not fight over it. I'll just say whatever. You don't want to deploy it. No problem. Don't deploy. You want to deploy it. Who cares? Deploy it. So I will try to behave, me as a developer, to behave in a way which is uh, a conflict avoiding all the time. Because personally, I will not feel comfortable, you know, making conflicts. I'll be just whatever. Just, you know, I'll be a good man. I'll be a good person in the office. I'll be peaceful. I'll, be, I'll smile all the way, all day long. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to raise conflicts about the quality of the code. I'm not going to say that we're doing something wrong because there is no personal award for me, no personal punishment. I'm not paying for it myself. So why do I care? And I've seen, like I'm saying, 100% of cases, people don't care. Well, sometimes they care when they just join the team. Initially, they care, they try to do something, they fight here and there, or sometimes when people are just, you know, they just, uh, their characters, you know, aggressive enough to just fight over, over anything. In that case, they do it sometimes. But also, again, in some time, in a week, in a month, or in a few months, they realize that there is no point. No matter what you do for a month, in the end of the month, you get the same salary. So what's the point of fighting or not fighting? So they become lazy, they become ignorant, they become, um, they don't care. That's what happens. So this is the second problem. The first one is the architect, the absence of the architect, which really demotivates people to start conflicts because there is, because when I start a conflict, I realize that if there's no architect, there is no person to come to resolve the conflicts in the end. So we will start talking, we'll open our interests, we'll understand why, and then somebody will, in the end, will should be able to tell us, okay, who is right, who is wrong? Like, which, which side the project is taking? If there's no such person, I don't want to go into the conflict. It's just destructive for me. It's just, it's just waste of my energy. The second problem, awards and punishment. If I don't get anything, no money out of this conflict, I don't want to go in there. And the problem number three is that individual responsibility. So in most cases, it's kind of close to awards and punishment that we're not individually uh, responsible for what's happening in the project. It's always the team responsibility, the group responsibility, which means that I do not associate myself with my decisions, with my problems, with my ideas. It's always our ideas. It's always our problems. In this case, again, starting a fight for a group of people, I would not do that because, uh, uh, because it's too much trouble. Because you don't know what these people around you, whether they're going to back you up, whether they're going to support you, or they're going to be against you, or it's going to be eventually a mess. They will have different opinions. It's difficult. I would rather stay away from it. So if I know that every time I start a conflict, it's going to be a discussion of a group, it's always going to be our problem, not my idea, not my problem, but our, it, for me and for many other people, it's going to be, it's easier to stay away from. So these three things should happen. We need an architect, we need a clear awards and punishment structure, and we need individual responsibility. If we have these three things, then we can ask people, not ask, but we can, we can, encourage them, we can provoke conflicts, and that conflict will improve our team, will improve the project, will improve the project, and will help us to move forward faster. That's my idea. 
So I'm done. Let me let me look at the questions and we'll go through them. Uh, uh, the question number one: What happens if one developer hits the other? Uh, that's a good question, actually. Uh, somebody asked me on the blog as well about that, and somebody actually said that if you the conflicts are good, but if they're always the same actors in the conflict, it's not really good. That's true. So if, if there are two people who are actually you know fighting over nothing over and over again, so when they start, it's okay. They talk about the database, but if they keep talking about something every day and they start the, the day, start the next day from a fight then it means that there is something wrong again it means that they have some uh they just they don't like each other personally but i've seen that situations many times when people didn't like me personally and i didn't like somebody but it was always because of like i said because of the lack of rules in the team when when the same people who didn't like me in the office when we were just going out for lunch and there was no technical, no, no, no office problems, no work problems, no project problems. There were good people. We were like we were communicating, we were having fun, we were laughing and talking, everything. So we didn't like each other in the office because we were put there without clear rules. So that's why we sometimes wanted to hit each other in the office. Because we didn't have the way out of a conflict. We, we were starting conflicts because we were passionate about what we were doing. We cared about that stuff. We wanted that stuff to be more you know better but we didn't know how to resolve conflict they the management didn't give us the rules to resolve it that's why we we're so close to hitting each other so again the same story so but yes if the one developer hits another one i don't see it's a big as a big problem i mean you're not gonna <laughs> it's not gonna happen it doesn't happen in offices quite often but the if, the, if you give the structure to the to the to the team they're not gonna they're not gonna kill each other uh, yeah, that's a, a, the comment about not many seniors staying in that kind of kind of environment. So this is really this is really a biggest concern. So people who really care about quality, who are really senior developers, they're not going to stay in the environment which is full of compromises and full of uh, consensuses, and where people are just instead of discussing and, and, and fighting over technical problems and really arguing about that and making it noisy and making it loud and and making the full day of that i mean spending their day in in this in this technical fight if it's not happening in the office it's boring it's not interesting for people who are really senior developers so they're gonna leave eventually so when they when they try to hire you and they show you the office which is quiet and people are just sitting in front of monitors and there's a quiet there and and and, and you know just peaceful environment don't go there it means that that's that the team is degrading. You're not going to find anything funny. You're not going to find anything, uh, anything uh, that will help you to develop yourself. You will eventually leave if you position yourself like a like a senior developer. You have to uh, when you enter the office, you have to feel and and feel the noise. I mean, people are talking there. People are arguing. People are making some fights between each other that's the that's the indicator of of a good team uh another another uh comment is that everything is much simpler not every programmer can work with another one without reasons i disagree about that so i don't think that people are incompatible i believe that um that it's not about the personalities 
it's like I said, it's about the lack of, of structure which the management doesn't give us. So it's like in in, in um, it's like in a sport, you know, if you put these two boxers or two uh, you know two 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 MMA fighters and and don't give them the rules, don't give them the, the referee. The, 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 don't give them the person, you know, don't give them the, 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 um, the space where they fight. It's going to be just a fight, the violent fight without no rules, and they will hate each other, of course. But if the same two people, if you put them in this, in the, in a structure, and you give them the referee, and you give them rules and, and the format in which, in the protocol in which they have to follow, they become friends, even though they fight with, with each other. Because they understand that they're fighting, you know, to win something, and then there are clear structure of that fight. That's what I think. Uh, yeah, it's another comment that one way or another you will end up with the leader and influencer, and it's better to make it a deliberate thing. That's my that's my idea. So that's my, that's my thought that you we need to explicitly define the leader. Otherwise, the leader will show up naturally, and it's not going to be the smartest person. It's going to be just the, the loudest person and the most aggressive person, and everybody will lose because of that. Yeah, another another comment. The problem is in current teams. A compromise is the single way of, for conflict resolving. Of course, yes. In in all the teams I've seen before for 15 years, for the last 15 years, it was I don't know, maybe like 25 teams or so. In all of them, people were resolving conflicts by compromises, and it's always because of the weak management. So the management is not in, is incapable of making management decisions. It's not managers. They're just you know babysitters. So they're not managing programmers. They're just doing what they just—they're just sitting in the office and, and watching us. That's all they're doing. If the managers will become professional, then they will—they will stop doing these compromises and will start resolving conflicts properly. Um, the question, next question: How to explore the real interests of a team members? I mean, practically, I guess talking is in person is the best way for this. Yeah, we started with this the discussion. Yes, I think that the best way to understand the interests is by asking the question why. So always ask why, why do you want that? And then the answer comes back and then you say again, why? And then the person answers, then you say why, why, why? So you keep asking why and then eventually the person will uh, disclose enough information for you so you will realize that this is why that person wants to deploy that piece of code right now without testing to production. And then when you know that, it will be easier for you to, uh, to do something with this information. And so it's always a fight. The conflict is always, it's always a question of whether we are fighting position to position or interest to interest. Position to position is this, this is my way, just do it my way. And you're saying exactly the same, do it my way. This is positions. We're never going to resolve it in any other way except lose-lose, except compromise. In order to do win-win, we need interests. Uh, next question. Uh, if I'm in this democratic style team, how can I break this habit to make decisions by voting? Uh, that's a good question. If you, if you end up in a team which is used to this democratic uh, decision-making process and uh, I don't know, the, the, the best suggestion is just change the team. So just go somewhere else. But unfortunately, it's not so easy because, you know, these teams, they have money, they pay you, and then we have, like, practical reasons. Uh, the second option is just do nothing. I mean, ignore the ambassadors and just spend that time. I mean, do the minimum you have to do just to collect your paychecks. 
I've done that a few times. It works as well. So you just go to these meetings. You just you know just pretend to care. You vote with everybody else. Who cares? Just collect your paychecks and then change the job in half a year or a year. So that's that's also a good approach because it's it's a disease. I mean, they're 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 sick. This whole team. So why do you you can I mean it's impossible to change that or almost impossible to change it. So why do you need to you know ruin your life or spend like a year of your life uh, fighting with these uh, morons and then you know trying to improve them? So just just pretend that you're working, pretend that you care, collect the money and do something else. And maybe option number three is that you can explain them. Maybe you can try to uh, try to bring some structure, some rules to at least the technical uh, at, to the technical domain. So, for example, you may come tomorrow to the office and say, "Hey guys, how about we uh, agree that we have an architect starting today, and and this architect will be Jeffrey." And, and then in a month, we're going to change that position and it's going to be Alex. And then every month, we're going to change that position and transfer it from person to person. But we're going to have that position. Maybe they will like it. Maybe they will say, oh, yeah, maybe it makes sense. So you will introduce at least some, some, some piece of you know, decision-making process. So you probably can change something. But I doubt that it's going to work, especially if the team is big. If the team is big and it's like 10 people or 20 people and you're the only one who really understands what's going on and you don't like this voting, then I would suggest to either leave the team or just ignore what's going on and just get the money. Uh, uh, there's some discussion in the comments. Uh, In my two, it's a comment. It's my two years freelancing. I learned that I have to always raise the problem immediately, otherwise it gets plain, plain, uh, painful to work. Well, I agree. Yes, the sooner you raise the problem, the sooner you start the conflict, the sooner you express your concern, the better. So don't wait for it. It's nobody gonna, nobody gonna help you. You can, you should only help yourself. So the situation will only get worse for you, not better. So if you have a problem, if you have a conflict, to start, start it now. Uh, another question how to ask the management to pay for writing tests uh, that's a good question but I don't think it's for this webinar um, I have this uh, new format of questions answering uh, asking and answering you can you can shoot me an email with the question and we will schedule a small video call with you and it's gonna be like 10 minutes you will ask me the question I'll give you my answer like as much as I can and we'll publish it online so I just started that thing and already over 10 people already scheduled their talks, so we're gonna we're gonna talk the, the, for the for the next two months for sure. And I will publish that discussion. They're gonna be short, like 10 minutes, maybe less, and we'll discuss that stuff over there. So this question is kind of outside of the scope of the discussion. Uh, next one: How is an audience of this? Uh, how is who is an audience of this webinar? Uh, your advice is look for management, but what software developers should do practically? Yeah, it's a good question. So I suppose most of my uh, listeners right now are uh, programmers. But uh, <clears throat> like I said, if if we guys, you programmers, I'm a programmer. I'm also on the management side as well, but I'm a programmer as well. So if you programmers can, will start changing that, will start fighting back with the management. I mean, telling them that they're doing something wrong, 
then I guess the situation will improve somehow. But what I want to achieve with the webinar is I want to show you, the, I want to give you the information so that you will know what's going on. Most probably you cannot change it tomorrow. Like I said, most probably you will work for the next five years in, in bad teams, in teams which do this wrong management and they have these compromises everywhere and you will waste, not waste, but you will spend five years of your time, of your life, just getting money and being unhappy in the office. But eventually you will find the right team. If you understand what's the difference between the right, the good team and the bad team. So that's my mission. So I'm trying to kind of give you the knowledge of what's the difference between the good team and the bad team. And the bad, like I said, the bad team is quiet and the bad team is calm and everybody look friendly. The good team is it's fighting every day and there's a lot of noise and people are arguing and discussing and, you know, and, and, and they look really sometimes unhappy in the office, sometimes are happy, sometimes unhappy. So they are, they are alive. That's my mission, just to give you the information. Um, Another question, we have 10 more minutes. So we don't have an architect in the team or anyone similar in this job. We, we just have a project manager and we follow orders. However, at the same time, management likes us to take initiative and keep bringing new ideas to the team. Do you see any problem with this? Um, well, I don't understand how it's possible to have a team without an architect because the management and the project manager is not the person who is capable of making technical decisions. And if we don't have the central role for decision making, uh, the decisions will be made by the democratic vote. And that's that's the horrible approach, that's the wrong approach. So if the, if the management, like you're saying, uh, the, the manager, uh gives you gives you orders uh, but at the same time the management likes you to take initiative and uh keep bringing new ideas uh i think it's just i think that your management is just uh flirting with you i mean the management is just playing with you they are just trying to look like good management they're trying to look like google style so like it's a democratic environment. People are uh, uh, people are welcome to express their ideas. Bring them up. We always, you know, we're always interested to know what you think, guys. Uh, uh, but in the end, the real rules, the real structure, the real protocol is absent. So it's just, you know, it is just a manipulation. They are just manipulating with you. Uh, they are just. They're trying to look nice, they're trying to look democratic, they're trying to look modern, they're trying to look agile, but in reality, they're not, because they don't know what it is. So just look at the look at the facts. Do you have an architect? No. Do you have clear rules of, of how soon you will be fired? So what exactly do you need to do in order to be fired? Do you have this document? Did they give it to you? Do you know exactly what needs to be done in order, in order to lose the job? I'm sure you don't. I'm sure nobody who is listening to this webinar have this document. It means that there are no rules. If you don't have the clear definition of what is what needs to be done in order to lose the job, it means you don't have the rules of work. It means the management is not managing you. The management is just expecting you to, to, to be productive and that's it. So they're not real managers. That's my answer. So don't believe in the good words. Don't believe in their like telling you that, 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 that they are on your side. Just look at the facts.
Um, how about another question? How about we split the workday in two parts? Quiet one, developers are not allowed to talk, and the, the, the debate part, when developers are encouraged to debate. Well, I, I like that idea. Why not? It sounds good. Sounds sounds all right to me. So if you can, this is the way to protect kind of you know to protect the environment. So they they know what is the time for for the fight for the conflict. That's good. That's a good idea. I like it. Uh, I can ask about interest in person or in GitHub uh, pull request nodes. The last option doesn't work well for me for some reason. Do you have some best practices for this? Uh, I'm in general against this in person uh, communications. Uh, for many reasons. I, I, I think I had a webinar about that. So uh, I think in-person communications, like in the office and over the phone or, you know, face-to-face, -face, they are not really, they're not traceable, first of all. So we don't know what was the conflict about, who were participating and why the decision was made. So I'm always in favor of written, of written communication. So always write. And, it's, and, and write where I can read it. So you write it, you discuss it, and then I join the project in, in a year, and I open your discussion, and I can see who was fighting over what and what was the decision. And it's really good if the management and the architect and the management and the CTO, everybody can look into this discussion and also take participation. That's the ideal project environment. When everybody communicate in these tickets or whatever, in, in, in a written communication way, not that you know you programmers talk on your on your you know stupid GitHub, but in the morning you all go to my office and you stand up on this stand up, and then I can I talk to you in a real conversation. I've seen many of the CTOs like that. So the CTO who doesn't know how to log into GitHub, who doesn't know what the pull request is, but he can he can or she can you know line up these developers in a stand up and talk like real like real people. This is. This is just, you know, I. this is the CTO who doesn't deserve any respect. The CTO or the entire management, if we're talking about software companies, we have to stay on the same level as developers, on the same level, on the same communication level. So we have to use the same tools, the same instruments they have to use to help us communicate. That's my take on that. Uh, I really, another question. We have yeah, a few more. Uh, I really like my company, but I have to work with pretty slow, pe <laughs> slow people that say yes, even if they don't get it. It makes me aggressive to protect myself. I give up. That's bad. How would you solve that? Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that, that I understand the question. Sometimes some people, and it's, sometimes it's uh, religious or uh, cultural or personal uh, reason, they just... They just don't like conflicts at all because they 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 were trained or they grow up in the environment which is which was uh, aggressive to them most probably for making or for trying to make any conflicts. So they were they learned they they learned that uh, if you raise your voice if you start you know talking about something against somebody you'll be punished no matter what. And that's why in the office they just yes yes whatever whatever you want you want to deploy it to production sure absolutely why not you don't want to deploy it yeah sure that makes sense let's not deploy it so they no matter what you offer they just always agree with you well i i would fire that kind of people that's my decision because they're not making any they're not making any they just we just don't need them because they're not productive unfortunately maybe they're really maybe they could be good for some other kind of work maybe they could be good for customer support maybe maybe they can i don't know do some other kind of you know there are many things which they can help the company with 
but they're not developers. They cannot be uh, they cannot be effective software developers if they agree all the time. So if you can get them out of the team, just do it. If you cannot do this and you like you have to work with them, uh, then I don't know, commit a suicide problem. Well, I'm kidding, but just find some other team or do something else. But I, I, I've, I've met that problems and I've seen that. And all the time, my decision was to just, okay, let's get rid of these people. Let's transfer them somewhere. I'm not saying they're bad people. They're like, like I'm saying, you can go on a lunch with them and they will be like really people like fun to talk with. But in a, in a closed office environment, under stress, under the threat of being fired, because everybody, we all know that we can't be fired. They just back they just back off and they just say yes yes whatever just do whatever you want but it's not productive so you know i would get rid i would try to get rid of them uh, <clears throat> last question um uh, uh a little bit late yeah last question let me uh, uh what to do with a project manager which likes to write technical implementation in tickets what is your opinion on how to remove this habit uh, which likes to write technical implementation and ticket. Uh, I don't think I understand you're talking about technical documentation or implementation. So rephrase the question if, you, if you're still there. Uh, how to debate in GitHub pull request nodes efficiently? How to debate in GitHub? Well, um, in, in our projects, we uh, <laughs> in our projects we we just use GitHub pull requests so you can look in our in some of our open source projects and you can see how we do that it's the same conversation but you don't see the opponent you don't see the person who you're talking to you just see the uh the github login and you and you keep talking there it's even easier so uh, how you're probably asking for some rules to follow Maybe I'll write something about it because you know my experience is about four years doing that. So maybe I'll write some some post about it, some blog post about it. Yeah, and and there's a link there like it says five principles of bug tracking. So there are some principles which I defined on the blog. I call them five principles of bug tracking, uh, which may help you to to find out what I suggest. Uh, the last question. I'm now like a mentor for junior developer in our team. Is this a good idea to communicate with uh, with that lady in GitHub nodes, Jira subtasks? I guess she needs more in-person attention from my side. What do you think? Uh, it's a good question. I would, I would uh, personally, I would suggest to stay with tickets only because in-person communications will traumatize that lady even more not even more, but will traumatize her because she will she will realize that in order to solve problems, she has to always find some mentors, she has to always find some help from you. So you will basically give her yourself as a tool which she will not have later. Because eventually you will disappear, you will do something else, you will you will you will not be a mentor anymore, and she will be she will lose the tool and she will not know what. What's the, what's the, I mean, how to use, how to continue without you. So it's better, what's better is that you, instead of talking to her personally, you just monitor the comments and discussions she is having in GitHub or Jira, whatever. So just be a mentor, but electronic mentor, not personal. Don't sit next to her. Don't, don't take her as a cripple. I mean, she's a normal person. So don't think that she's uh, not strong enough, not smart enough, not capable enough of talking in Jira or GitHub. 
she's not you're not smarter than her she's a smart person if she's in the company so probably she passed all the tests and the company hired her so she means she's a normal developer so she just doesn't know how to use github for now so just let her learn that but don't replace that with yourself don't i mean don't don't traumatize with the wrong lessons okay guys uh, uh, um, we are done, so I'm sorry we're running out of time. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next month. It's the first Wednesday of each month, 11 in the morning Pacific time. Thanks for coming. I hope it was not, it was not too boring. Thank you.